used to be a commercial that would run on radio. One of the lines in the commercial was, people judge you by the words you use. To be sure, that does take place in more ways than one, as we'll see next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Profanity and vulgarity, lies, exaggerations. At the end of the day, they're fairly common for most, even within the church. As we'll see today, the tongue is to be tamed if we call ourselves Christians. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 141, verse 3. That's a good springboard into our time together today as we continue our survey of Proverbs. Taking a look at the tongue today, please join us. You and your tongue. Here now with today's broadcast from Proverbs 15 and verse 2 is our teacher and pastor, Pastor Steve Converse, with this edition of Graceful Truth. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about how we manage our words. And our ability or inability to control our tongue will really determine more than anything else, the level of success that we have in relationships around us, if you stop and think about it. If you can't seem to say the right thing, and you constantly seem to say the wrong thing at times, you're going to find yourself someday all alone, alienated from everyone in your life. Some people find it easy to express themselves, just kind of rolls off their tongue. Some people have no trouble saying what's on their mind, and we usually refer to those people as brilliant conversationalists. Some of them can talk on and on and on and on and on and on for hours about nothing. And we've all dealt with people like that and never get around to saying what they want to say, but they seem to keep the conversation going. But we all know that there's more to speaking effectively than just being able to string a bunch of words together. The Bible teaches us a different approach to conversation than maybe one that we're used to. It teaches us to use our words sparingly. Some of us have difficulty in doing that. To speak with caution. 18.13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears is a folly and shame to him. How many times have you been in a conversation with somebody and you're hearing what they're saying, but you're really not, right? I mean, you see their mouth moving and you know that you're conscious, you're in a conversation, you're talking to them, but what are you doing? You're formulating your answer. And after a certain point, you don't hear anything beyond that. And you're just constantly, okay, they just said this now, I gotta say this now. And, and you're not really hearing anything else after that point in time. And what do you end up doing is you end up spouting off something before you really listen to what they're saying. We've all done that. And it says it's a folly and it's a shame. Sometimes we don't let people speak. We don't let people speak their whole, all their words before we open up our mouths. And sometimes we catch ourselves and go, ha, huh, why did I even say anything? 27.2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Who wants to be around somebody that's constantly talking about themselves, building themselves up? Nobody. Nobody likes people like that. They're egotistical. They're just all about themselves. And sometimes when you get in a conversation with somebody and it's like all they talk about is themselves. We need to be aware of that in our own mind. Are we doing that? Sure, we all have at times, but is that a regular thing in our life. Let somebody else praise you. And all those things are interesting, and yet they're very, very personal. They're very convicting statements. But people, especially foolish people, they comment on everything. They can enjoy the benefit of appearing wise even 
if they could subdue their own mouth, but they can't. They just, you know, they just want to talk about anything. Have you ever met somebody that no matter what subject you bring up, they're talking about it? And they just continue to talk about it, like they know everything about that subject. We need to understand that we've all spoken words that we wish we could have brought back in an unguarded moment. Or maybe we shared a, a joke or something that was inappropriate, or we said a word, or we laughed at someone who was suffer, suffered or for reasons beyond their own control, whatever it might be. Um, there's nothing wrong with a good laugh. Matter of fact, it even talks about that in Proverbs 17.22. It says that a good laugh is often a medicine God gives us for a tense heart. But the test of good humor is found in these questions. If you want to share humor, do it in this way. Can you laugh at your own mistakes? Or are you laughing at other people? Can you restrain the humor or laughter when it is unfitting? Because some people are just the jokester. They're always out there joking about every possible thing. Can you enjoy it? when you're all alone? Or is it just a show for everybody else to see? It seems like there's more bad uses of the tongue than there is good uses, but we'll move on to E, profanity and vulgarity. And this gets real personal because it talks about our everyday conversation. 15.4 says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Proverbs 30.14 says, there's a kind of man whose teeth are like swords and his jaw teeth like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth and the needy from among men. See, we have to be acutely out of touch with the world to overlook the increase of profanity. I mean, now you can watch a show on TV that's just on during the day, whatever, and there's profanity in the show. That used to be not allowed, but now it is. They used to have to bleep that stuff out. Now they don't even bleep it out half the time. I mean, it's all around us. But Christians aren't necessarily exempt from the problem. All too often, we contribute to it. And it's slipping into all these forms of entertainment. I mean, even today, you have pastors from the pulpit using what I would say are, are vulgar terms to describe certain things that are just not appropriate within the church. And people are laughing and making fun of it. Vulgarity and profanity are a sign of neither attractiveness nor power, but signs of really desperate weakness that they can't even control their own tongue. And we need to be aware of that, that as a Christian, profanity and vulgarity is a wrong use of the tongue. It has no place in a Christian's life. It's not honoring to Christ at all. And then lies and exaggerations. And this one probably does this all in. Uh, Proverbs 6.19 says, A lying tongue and a false witness who utters lies. Those are one of the things that the Lord hates, Solomon said. 14.25 says, A truthful witness saves lives, but he who speaks lies is treacherous. Those of us rearing children, you have to do everything possible. And you're not doing them any service by allowing them to get out of the responsibility if they're telling lies. They need to be held accountable. We shouldn't encourage someone who is lying or exaggerating or whatever it is. Well, let's look at some practical lessons for our conversation. Practical lessons. And, and these are things that we can all practice every day. All right? Uh, before you speak, consider this. Consider saying nothing at all. <laughs> consider saying nothing at all. If you'll take to heart these things, there's three things here under this point. Um, it will help you probably across the board with every relationship you have. First of all, you don't have to say everything you know. Amen? You don't have to say everything you know. I mean, you may know a lot of stuff, but you don't have to say it. It's not necessary. You know, we need to realize we may know something about somebody, but we don't have to say that. We don't have to say everything we know. Uh, sometimes people are in 
certain recovery programs or something like that, and you know somebody's talking, oh, did you know that you know that that person is bulimic or that person's an alcoholic and they're in recovery, and we start going down that road, and it's like, why do we have to share that information? Now, if it's a matter of safety or something like that, you know, they're applying for a ministry position, whatever, then then fair game. But just in general conversation, do we have to say everything we know? There is a reason why they call those groups anonymous, you know, because they don't want to be known. So we need to stop the saying everything we know all the time. And we may know something about someone, and just because we know it and because it's true doesn't necessarily mean that we have to say it. Um, Solomon said in Proverbs 17:27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Use your words with restraint. Before you speak, consider saying nothing at all because you don't have to say everything you know. Also, you don't have to say everything you think. This can get you in real trouble. Trust me. Um, some people believe that they know a little bit more about every subject than everybody else. And they believe it's their duty to kind of wax eloquent whenever they get the chance. Whatever subject comes up in the conversation, whether it's the stock market, computers, criminal justice, po politics, football, baseball, religion, whatever it may be, they believe they have the first and final word on the matter. And they want to hold you captive with their tongue. And they're going to share it with you. And you can fall into this habit even unintentionally. But you need to watch out for it. No matter what subject comes up in conversation, this kind of person has something to say about it. He's a self-proclaimed authority on everything and everything. And I think that we have to look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 17:28. He said, even a fool is thought wise, as we said before, if he keeps silent. See, you don't have to say everything you think. Before you speak, keep this principle in mind. Silence looks like knowledge. So think first, speak second. I remember one time I got a job at a uh, big like warehouse. Worked there, graveyard shifts, and had to go out and load these pallets with all different you know, products, shampoo, all kinds of things. And then these pallets would go out to supermarkets or wherever. I remember the first day there, this is after I finished school and I was in between churches and I just needed a job. So I'm thinking, okay, Lord, a warehouse, great. I've heard about people that work in warehouses. <laughs> I don't think I am one of these people. And I had this attitude kind of a thing, you know, like <laughs> who can't do this job, right? So I get in there my first night, and um, the guy that was showing me how to run the pallet, their electric pallet things, and, you know, it's kind of cool, actually. And it was a lot more involved in this job than what I realized. And I remember, at first, when he started telling me, okay, you know, you look at your sheet, and when it says A4, that means you go to, and I'd, I'd finish the sentence. Yeah, you go to aisle A, and you go to section 4, yeah. I mean, that's how I was with this guy the whole time he's trying to train me, right? So after about 20 minutes... He probably looked at me and thought, what a jerk I am. And uh, he said, you know, okay, well, call me if you need me. So, yeah, no problem, you know. So, you know, so I started loading my little pallet up and get it back there and put it, put it back to the thing and got it all wrapped up and everything. And all of a sudden, the supervisor goes, hey, who loaded pallet number whatever? Well, that would be me, you know. So I go back. What's the problem? It's not even the right stuff. What are you doing? You know, didn't Joe train you? What? you know, well, yeah, yeah, he did. Well, look at what you got on this. You know, this is going to a, a food store and you got, you know, shampoo, whatever it was. it was. And so, you know, I got chewed out. I had to put everything back and reload the thing. And I remember this guy coming back and he said, do you need some help now? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, doesn't this mean, doesn't A always mean A? No, it doesn't. Because there's an aisle A for the, for the shampoo products, but there's also an aisle A for the fertilizer stuff, or whatever it might be. And I'm like, oh. And these numbers don't always mean this. Here's what, and so he went through and he explained the whole thing. See, 
If I were to just shut up and listen to him, I probably would have had the job down pat in a matter of minutes, but I was trying to interject myself. I always thought, okay, you know what? I, I'm going to know better than this guy. He works in a warehouse, for goodness sakes. And yet, I learned the hard way. And I should have just remained quiet and just said, nod of my head, and went through the orientation the way everybody else did, and, and I would have been fine. So sometimes we have to keep silent. And in keeping silent, we actually look smart, even though we may not be. <laughs> Third, you don't have to repeat everything you hear. This falls under the idea of gossip. You don't have to repeat everything you hear. Sometimes it's fun. <laughs> Sometimes our flesh is into it, but we don't have to do it. Because the problem with repeating gossip is that it seems that there's even a better chance that what you heard isn't even completely true. And when you repeat it, that person is going to repeat it. And what they're going to repeat, probably they're going to add some stuff to it and make it a little more juicier. But, you know, we say things. And, and words have meanings. We say things like, yeah, I'm just going to go over and, you know, catch a cup of coffee and catch up on the latest gossip. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? It's a very serious thing. We say it like there's nothing wrong with it. But there is. Gossip tends to get embellished as it's passed from person to person to person. And the subject of gossip is one that we really don't take seriously enough. Uh, to a certain extent, catching up on gossip is, a, is a, obviously a figure of speech, but it's too often an accurate representation of the way we have our own conversations. In Proverbs 16:28, says this about gossip, a perverse man stirs up decision and a gossip separates close friends. See, it's something to think about. We've all been there, done that at one point or another, okay? But that's not an excuse for allowing it to continue. Did it ever occur to you that when you talk bad about someone, God considers your actions perverted? He says a perverse man stirs up dissension. It may seem hard to believe, but that's what the Bible says. God would much rather you just keep quiet about it. Solomon said in 17.9, He who covers an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It's hard to cover an offense. It's hard when someone offends you to just to say, you know what? God bless you and let's move on. It's tough to do that, but that's what we're called to do. Repeating everything we hear destroys friendships. And this is why we need to think before we speak. Consider whether we should say anything at all. And you don't have to repeat everything you hear. That's the first step in managing your mouth. <laughs> and we all need to learn from that. Secondly, consider whether or not you have all the facts. Consider whether or not you have all the facts. That kind of falls under the gate of being true. But you remember back in 1996 when the Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia? Remember the guy by the name of Richard Jewell? Remember that story? He was a security officer. He was first on the scene when the bomb exploded there at the Olympics. And he acted conscientiously and courageously. He was really a hero. But the FBI developed suspicions about Jewel and began to consider him a suspect in the bombing. And the FBI was simply doing their job. They needed to be suspect of everyone. But then the media came along and they went wild with the story. The Atlantic Journal Constitution printed a story packed with innuendo and misleading comments. The New York Post called him a fat former failed sheriff's deputy in a story that crossed the line between reporting him as a possible suspect and declaring him guilty. Even Tom Brokaw compromised his credibility by saying they probably have enough to arrest him right now, probably enough to prosecute him. But you know, they always want enough to convict him. Well, you know how the story turned out, don't you? Richard Jewell didn't plan any bomb at all. He was, in fact, a hero. He put his life in danger to save other people. And yet, he was ripped to shreds by the press. And we see that even going on today. Just because Tom Brokaw, or Bill O'Reilly, or Sean Hannity, 
or whoever your news guy is says it doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's true. You need to remember when you watch the news that there's a very real possibility that you're getting only a fraction of the story. Or when someone's sharing something with you, maybe you're only getting a fraction of the story. And you can do a lot of damage by speaking before you get all the facts. And some of the damage will most likely come your way. Proverbs 18.13, very practically, it says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. You know, you just want to stop and, and catch yourself. Proverbs 14.3 says, A fool's talk brings a rod to his back, but the lips of the wise protect him. That's why you have to speak Think first, speak second, and make sure you have all the facts. And Solomon said in 1727, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Well, thirdly, consider the best way to say what needs to be said. Consider the best way to say what needs to be said. I mean, we don't live in a Pollyanna world, that's for sure. And sometimes you have to say some hard things that are very hard to say and they're unpleasant to hear. But you know what? Our words will carry a lot more weight if we're careful about how we say them. Proverbs 1523 a man finds joy in an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? There's an old story about a man who fixed his wife a sandwich. And one of the pieces of bread he used was the heel. And when he gave her the sandwich, she blew up. She just went ballistic. She said, I'm so sick of you giving me that heel on every sandwich you make. You've been doing it for 20 years. Why do you insist on doing this to me every time you make me a sandwich? And the husband looked at her, and here's what he said. Well, dear, the heel is my favorite piece. <laughs> See, that guy knew the right thing to say. He was actually giving her his favorite piece of bread, thinking that it would be a blessing to her too. He understood what Solomon said when he said, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Boy, how many times has that proven true in your life and in mine? If you need to confront your spouse or your child or an employee about a problem, you need to take time to find out the right way to say what you're going to say. You need to ask yourself, how can I say this in such a way that is going to build them up and encourage them and yet still speak the truth to them? One lady said, my husband has a way of telling me to do things that makes me want to do the exact opposite of what he says. And it wasn't my wife, by the way, but she probably thinks that sometimes. You know, a caveman might say, well, you know, she just needs to learn to submit. Well, I would say, you know what, maybe the husband needs to learn to communicate in a proper way. Look for the best way to say what needs to be said. Proverbs 18.21, and close with this, it says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, when we speak to one another, we should keep those words in mind. When our words come out of our mouth, are we, are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Are we speaking encouragement or are we speaking discouragement? Are we speaking truth or are we speaking error? You know, we all have issues with our tongue. The Bible clearly says nobody can control the tongue. I mean, you may control it for a little while, but sooner or later it's going to get out of hand. If you have an issue with your tongue, there's a couple things you can do. Admit you have a problem first to yourself and then to God. And take steps to control your tongue. Think before you speak. Realize you don't have to contribute. Hold back. In Psalm 141, verse 3 David prayed this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard, Lord, over my tongue. Help me to speak words of truth and wisdom, not words that are gossipy or wrong. The last quotation is by Washington Irving, and he said this, The tongue is the only tool that grows sharper <laughs> with constant use. <laughs> the tongue is the only tool that grows sharper with constant use. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, we know that we all deal with issues with our tongue. And Lord, a lot of those issues come directly from our heart as we learned last week. But even with that said, we, knew, we need to understand that our tongue is an instrument that can be used 
for life or death, encouragement or discouragement, truth or error. And Lord, we pray that as the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Lord, we ask that you would help us to put a check on our lips. Even this next week, Lord, maybe there's somebody we've spoken harsh of before or we've criticized, whatever it might be. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you, repent first to you, say we're sorry, but then also make up for it to that person by maybe speaking a kind word to them, encouraging them in some way, reaching out to them. It doesn't mean you have to go back and rehash everything that you you said, but but you can start fresh with that relationship. And Lord, I I pray that you would put a a guard over all of our mouths, that you would um, help us to speak words of truth that would be edifying to you. Lord, I pray today that as we've looked at these various Proverbs dealing with the tongue, Lord, it's really a matter of the heart. And Lord, we know that, um, Father, that our hearts are wicked and desperately evil. They're dark. They're filled with sin. And it's only through Christ that we can be freed from that sin and forgiven. And so, Father, we know today that, Lord, if there's anybody here who has yet to put their faith or trust in you as their Lord and Savior, that they would cry out to you, that they would repent of their sin, that they would turn away from their sin and that they would turn to you and ask you to forgive them because of the work of Christ on the cross and because of his resurrection, because he proved who he said he was, the Messiah, the coming King. And Lord, we just pray that that person would cry out to you for forgiveness, that you would heal their heart, that you would forgive them and just uh, begin that relationship with you. And they can do that even in the quietness of this moment. And Father, take us through this next week with your blessings. We think of the different needs and, and physically and spiritually and And Lord, we just pray that you would watch over uh, us and uh, bring us back uh, safely next week. And Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. All God's people said, amen. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923 or visit our website gracefultruth.org and now to close out our time together with a look at our fall schedule once again here's pastor steve converse thanks andy i want to share some exciting information with our listening audience concerning our fall schedule here at grace bible church redwood city first up we'll be having our fall israel and bible prophecy conference featuring bible teacher dr david hawking on november 18th 19th and 20th it will all kick off on friday november 18th at 7 p.m with concert pianist david talbot leading us in some wonderful hymns here at grace bible church redwood city the conference is free so we hope to see you here the weekend right before thanksgiving second on our fall schedule will be a real blessing to our ladies here in the bay area Ladies, we have a real Christmas treat for you coming up on Saturday, December 3rd here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. We will be hosting a woman's Christmas tea with speaker and author Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise will be teaching from her book, Because He Loves Me, How Christ Transforms Our Daily Life. The tea will be held on Saturday, December 3rd with seating for the tea beginning at 11 a.m. Our program will begin promptly at 11.30 and will conclude at 2.30 p.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. 
Cost of registration will be $20 and registration will be required in advance. Ladies, you know firsthand how hectic your world can become just prior to the Christmas season. We want to give you the opportunity to break away from your daily routine for just one Saturday afternoon and come together for some great fellowship, worship, and teaching that's based on God's Word. Why not plan on being here Saturday, December 3rd from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Elise Fitzpatrick? I'm sure you enjoy the time together and walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and commitment to Christ. All the registration information can be found on our church website at gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. There will be a registration form available online. You simply download it, fill it out, mail it in with your registration to the address given, or you can simply call us here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it'd be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Well, thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we would love to hear from you. Again, the ways you can contact us, we have a couple three. First, our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, 650-366-9923. As always, you're welcome to write to us at Graceful Truth. 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's here in Redwood City. And our zip code is 94061. Of course, everything that Pastor Steve mentioned a moment ago can be found on our website, gracefultruth.org. Again, you can get to us at gracefultruth.org. And when you stop by our website, drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. So take a moment and write when you stop by gracefultruth.org or simply call us at 650-366-9923. Our thanks to you for joining us today and until next week at this same time, God bless. God bless.